Facebook has reminded me in recent days that this whole COVID-19 tragedy began already a year ago, one year from the first news about the virus. And with that news comes all the disbelief that we would be affected by it one year ago, or the uncertainty when reading the news uh, about its rapid expansion in different regions uh, of this planet, or the confusing messages from scientists and health authorities about what to do for prevention, or the political blindness, lies, and manipulation in our country in relation with what seemed inevitable that the virus was already among us, although we did, it, did not want to see it. Today, I read these Facebook memories from a year ago, and it seems incredible to me all what we had experienced during these past years. The millions of infected people, the hundreds of thousands of deaths, the disruption of our lives, our jobs, our families, of what seemed normal, immutable, or eternal, the undeniable disparities in our countries and in the world in the face of a greater impact of the virus in disadvantaged uh, communities, and the unprecedented change in our way of being the church, being church of worshiping and living our faith and spirituality. But as many had noticed, we have not been dealing with only one pandemic, but with three of them, COVID-19, the racial injustices emboldened by the past administration and the unprecedented events of white, white supremacy uh, with, the, with the attack for uh, democracy on January the 6th. And although this year has changed all things in, a, in an unimaginable way, sometimes I am not so sure if we are aware that there are things that we have lost or, or there are ways in which we have been transformed forever. And also that there is, in some cases, no turning back. Sometimes I feel that our desire for normalcy is so strong that we cannot or do not want to see the opportunity this past year has given us. And as Jeffrey said, our rector, uh, the, sometimes we are so focused on, uh, uh, on things that are not what really matters, what is truly essential and necessary. Sometimes I feel that we are so focused on the future normalcy that we have not allowed time for ourselves for the necessary grief over the great or small things that we have lost as individuals, as a church, and as a country. And sometimes I feel that I am pushing my pain under the rug while putting my hopes for a better future on top of it without having fully processed it, without having mourned for what I've lost or what have changed 
or what died in me during this time? Do you feel that something died in you? In your ideas about faith, country, democracy? Do you feel that something died in you about your ideas about God? When I read the gospel today, I feel that the anger and strong response of Jesus in the temple of Jerusalem were, uh, were the ways for him to express his affliction and pain at the loss, at the loss of the most meaningful spirituality connected with the Passover. Jesus' pain for, for realizing that something was being dismantled and suppressed. The experience of a liberating religion and the covenant between Yahweh and the people. Jesus had grown up in Galilee, far from the capital and its temple. And according to John's gospel, this is the first time Jesus visits Jerusalem. His first time in the temple. Perhaps Jesus hoped during his visit to the temple to recall the mighty deeds, deeds uh, of God in the past in delivering the Jewish people from Egypt. Perhaps Jesus was seeking to sing and pray to the Lord who hears and sees the affliction of the people in the face of injustice and slavery. But Jesus realizes when entering the temple that everything that he expected and had in his head no longer exists. Something has died in the spirituality and the form of religion of these people. The world has changed forever before his eyes, and there is no choice but to, but to respond with anger, pain, grief for what has changed or died. What Jesus finds in his visit to the temple of Jerusalem is very different from what he imagined. Religion, as trade or business, I give to God, I offer animals and empty prayers so that you, God, can give me peace of mind and the assurance that everything is fine, that everything is under control. And the disappearance of, of the religion based on the popular experience of the Passover, oppression instead of freedom, greed instead of solidarity, spiritual emptiness instead of faith and fullness of life. Or confidence in the least importance, spiritual blindness, confidence in a building like the temple above the authentic faith of God's people. The world had changed. The Passover experience had died. The, the religiosity of the people had been contaminated. And in the face of social reality, the criticism of Jesus is fueled by the affliction of what has been lost and will never return. During this Lenten season, I have been reading a book, The Prophetic Imagination, by the theologian Walter Brueggemann. It has been an uplifting and hopeful reading for me during this liturgical season. And I want to share with you a quote from this book that I think is in tune with the story of Jesus in the temple. Brueggemann says, 
true criticism starts from the capacity to grieve because this, this is the most visceral way of letting people know that things are not going as they should. The author is critical of any authority that forces us to, quote, pretend that things are going great. And as long as we maintain the illusion that things are okay when it really they are not, then there will be no transformation, no true change. Perhaps this land can be another opportunity from God for us to live authentically the affliction for what we have lost during this past year of pandemic, social division, and reckoning. Maybe this is the time to acknowledge that we have lost something and that there are certain things that are not coming back. Perhaps this land is opportunity that God gave us to see clearly that there is something in us that is not working as it should. And it is no longer worth pretending that things are going great because until we realize that something had changed or has been transformed forever, there will be no true change or conversion in us. Perhaps this land can be the opportunity that God gave us to meditate on what we are or who we are and where do we live and to begin or continue a path of transformation of true conversion. Like the disciples on the gospel, perhaps we can have that aha moment, that moment of connecting what we lived with what we can be after this year of radical changes among us. May God give us grace to see, to discern, to live this Lenten call to conversion. Amen.